0: There are men whose personal and professional responsibilities mean they can no longer tell the difference between man-thing and swamp-thing. There are men who know the names of all their children, but who do not know the members of Alpha Flight. And then, there's Adam Bernstein and Doug Bost. Men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men.
1: Grown-ass
0: men. With special guest grown-ass man, Joseph Scrimshaw. This is a podcast with two men who really have no formal expertise. I don't believe that we could necessarily teach a course at NYU in comic books. However...
1: (laughs) However, it'd be really fun.
0: Yes. (laughs) And we read a lot of comic books in the 70s and 80s. And this whole podcast is just... About what we remember, what we loved, what we hated uh, It's a podcast for people who know who the Spanner of the Spaceways is Right, alright, good So
1: we're here to talk about the amazing world Seems like we're focused on Marvel, at least for this early podcast
0: I just, I, I never really read DC except for Batman Mm-hmm. I was just but I got all the Marvel titles I would you know almost everything that would come out but except the ones that you bought I think and that's why we compliment each other so well because <laughs> right 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 I didn't buy Son of Satan I didn't always buy Iron Fist
1: I had to buy all of them and I had like a lot of things where I would go to the store before anybody could get the books and I would have them open up the books the books arrived like newspapers did tied. So you go to the stationery store, and they'd be like, Adam, what the... F-? You're here every Wednesday. You're bugging me. Because it wasn't like... You didn't have a comic book store. Where did you grow up? Well, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, but I really discovered comics when I lived in South Jersey in East Windsor. So that's... I, the first time I really bought a comic book was in the 7-Eleven in the development where I lived. And I think I bought Hulk the one right before Wolverine's first appearance. (laughs) And then I bought the one with that. I just was off and running with that. But anyway, so,
0: yeah. I grew up in Maine and we had uh, LaVertier's Super Drugstore downtown. Mm. And LaVertier's got the comics, you know, on the same day. Right. Every week, I think. And uh, my brother, John, and I were really into comics and we'd go down and and pick them up. Right. And, you know, and then we'd bring them home and read them. Like, we'd go, <laughs> like, you know, you'd bring them all into a, a dark room and just pour
1: over them. I know. It was like your whole life of the week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. I went to conventions very early on because I had a friend, a, basically a family friend who was a year or two older than me. He kind of, like, had a table at a convention when he was, like, 14 and he had really amazing books. For some reason, he was getting rid of them all. He had a lot of DC books, which I remember reading. So I got a, we got into Justice League a little bit at the beginning, mm-hmm. but I really gravitated towards Marvel. But so anyway, we figured we'd come up with some organized questions
0: yeah, in we're order to tackle subjects yeah, with our so, podcast.
1: You know, our amazing uh, listener fan base. Hopefully, you'll be able to.
0: I think relate it's to Mary. some of these questions. That's like the whole fan base, right? It's just Mary. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're growing hi, ass men. Yeah, hi, Mary. But um, anyway, so one of the things that you had brought up was early erotic memories in comics. Well, and
0: it, I think that's a great comic thing to books, talk about. You're <laughs> you're reading them at the age when your hormones are starting to go crazy. So, right. you know, like and they're and your parents leave you alone with these things too. Like they totally leave you alone <laughs> with the comics. So, right. if there's some you know, boobs in the comics, like that is just between you and the comic. Nobody right. knows that that's happening. And there were a couple that really stuck with me. There was a an issue and I brought it with me. Yes. Because I own it. Because I have to own You have to own something that book. that's so important. To my formative years, it's Marvel Two and One, number ten, uh, from I would say 1974, 75, July 1975. It's the Thing and Black Widow, and I always loved the Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I continue to love the Black Widow. Um, and there's a point where they're fighting some really crappy villain. Who cares who it is? You don't even. I don't. I couldn't even tell you who this guy is, but. The Thing and Black Widow get captured. They get put in a jail cell together. It looks hopeless.
1: That must have been must, some really strong jail That the Thing is in prison and can't get out. <laughs> right. And it's up to Black Widow to get out. Right. Absolutely. I think well, he just
0: wants to see her naked. It's le- electrified here. Okay, it's electrified. He, so he can't... Like, it's hurting the Thing, you can tell. But Black Widow is totally unfazed by being in jail. Right. And her response is... She starts to strip. She starts to take off her top. She reveals, and the thing is like, hey, whoa, what's going on here? Maybe I should step out. And But she says, no, no, you don't step out. You need to help me because taped to her shapely back is a super thin gun that she peels off her back and assembles. And I'm telling you, 1975, I'm eight years old. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that is a woman for me. Yeah, you, putting you're, the you're gun still together. You're searching for
1: that. Yes. Oh, for all your these whole years. college life, you were <laughs> like ho- hoping Please. that somebody would take off the shirt and feel make weaponry. my dreams
0: come true. She <laughs> puts the, puts the gun together, gets him out of jail, and it was uh, it was a real memory for him. There was another one, another um, you know sort of early erotic. <laughs> <laughs> memory for me, associated with comics. It, but I always kind of felt bad about it. It was a... Like a, like a guilt? Like a Christian guilt? Thing? It was in yeah, a vampire... Like vampire like. tales. From, uh-huh. I think, 1973. There was a... I'm sure it was Jim Steranko, at least writing the thing. Uh, Satana, who is like the devil's daughter yes. or something like that. She's being followed down... A creepy street in the city she gets trapped in an alley by a lascivious guy who seems like he's going to attack her yeah and then of course she turns the tables on him and kisses him and sucks the soul out of him Ooh. through the kiss you don't want and that that no you don't want that but i just <laughs> uh, i did you did. Yes, you I were, did. Like, and I was reading. You were that
1: willing comic. to get your soul sucked out to if, kiss the devil's door. It would
0: daughter. be satan, and it also was in black and white, and it made me appreciate yes. black and white. So yeah,
1: those books were all like magazine oriented. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember <clears throat> I was always into Sue Storm.
0: I thought she was so cool. She always had weird hairdos, though. She did. Her hair went all over the place. She had like a bob. Yeah. And then she had long hair. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't like how she was so kind of subservient
1: to Reed. They definitely got much hipper with that as time went on. Mm-hmm. But I like Sue Storm. I thought yeah. she was cool. And she couldn't control herself, man. She was into other men, even though she was married. Oh, man. With she Namor. was deep into right Submariner. Yeah. She was like, she was ready to go down with that.
0: Under the ocean. Yeah, (laughs) the ocean down to Atlantis. Are you? Was she also involved with Victor Von Doom?
1: Yeah, come on, man. Even if it wasn't in the comics, like behind the scenes, we know like must drive Reed crazy. (laughs) Right. What's he gonna do about it? Because he Reed's kind of a wimp. But anyway, I like that. But I was also telling you that I went to a comic convention fairly early on. I think it was in Pennsylvania or Philadelphia. or obviously, Philadelphia is in Pennsylvania. But, um, and Frank Thorne was one of the artists, and he did a Red Sonia comic book. And I met him, and I, I had a lot of nerve in those days to go up to <laughs> a, like a grown artist guy, a grown ass like, man, a grown ass man artist, and say to him, Hey, man, can you draw me a picture of Red Sonia? And he, go, he took out his pencil and took out, a, like, some piece of paper that he found. And he drew a full-length thing. And he draws Red Sonia in that chainmail bikini. With the biggest freaking boobs you've ever seen. And I said to him, I go, dude, those are really big boobs. He goes, yeah, of course. <laughs> that was the
0: dialogue, you know. But I was just like, damn, man. Like, Red Sonia's bikini was ridiculous because it was so loose. How could she fight with a freaking sword against, like, Conan and you those to, guys? But it puts you in the position as a reader to actually think about it. Like... What's happening here? Yeah. How is she... She's swinging that heavy sword, and yet the bikini bottoms are not falling off, and they also seem to be very demurely, like, tied on the side. Yes. Like, kind of cute. Like, like she'd be... Like, like she kind of a of fashion beach. statement, yeah. yeah. And yet <laughs> also made out of giant pieces of chain mail.
1: Yeah. Red Sony was cool. I, I liked her, and I actually liked the Conan books, and I liked Cull. I don't know why. I think I always was a little ar- the artist Conqueror. driven and who what's his name? Barry Smith. Barry Smith early- I like Barry okay. Smith.
0: I liked that's my favorite Conan book that I have is a Barry Smith. Yeah, he was Barry great. Windsor Smith, right? Yeah. British guy, yeah. I think. Well, he looks his drawings look British. <laughs> it was a British version of Conan.
1: Right. So I really I liked Red Sonia. That was cool. I mean, now when I read the books, the women are dressed so insane. It's basically like looking at a... Oh, you know,
0: like. but do you remember when man. Conan... Do you remember... Did you ever read What If? Sure. I loved What If. And What If wasn't always good, but when it was good, it was great. Right. They did a What If Conan came to the present day. Do you remember that? I, no, I don't think so. That was good, and also an early erotic memory. It's <laughs> Conan... <laughs> He, he me. He comes to New York City, and meets a girl. And he bec- he doesn't speak any language that anybody can understand.
1: Right, speaking that old. Uh, yeah,
0: and somehow, like thing. a pterodactyl, also comes. I think. <laughs> oh, with him <laughs> also comes with him. Right. So he, he has to. Pterodactyl there's something else him. that he has to fight. Right. But he shacks up with this girl, in a Brooklyn apartment, and. It's fantastic. And then they did a what... Then he goes back to his own time. Right. But then they did a what if of the what if. Saying what if Conan didn't go back to his own time. And he stays in <laughs> New York. It was a second what if story. He goes to New York. He in, Fantastic. In this, this one he stays and he becomes a pimp. A pimp? Like, yeah. And he's got like a hat and he's like all ridiculous. I wonder who wrote that. I don't know. That'd be worth checking out. Yeah. We should really fact-check our stuff. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: Now, friends, it's time for Joseph Scrimshaw's
2: Rant. Hello, I'm comedian Joseph Scrimshaw, and I have strong opinions about superheroes. For example, I think the best superhero costumes tell us a lot about who the hero is. And the best example of this is the Incredible Hulk. His costume is, he always has pants. You can cosplay the Hulk by taking off all of your clothes except your pants. I mean, yes, the Hulk is big and green and strong, but his defining characteristic is having pants. The Hulk is like a male stripper who will never go all the way. Superhero costumes always defy physics, but the Hulk's pants are more bizarre than Green Arrow's hood or Wonder Woman's breastplate. I personally choose to believe that his big purple pants are part of his origin story. Hello, I'm Bruce Banner. I was flooded with gamma radiation, turning me into a giant green monster and permanently fusing purple pants to my ass. Think about it. In a controversial scene in Avengers Age of Ultron, Bruce Banner says he can't have children. Well, of course he can't, because he literally can't take his pants off. In fact, I don't think the Hulk is even a monster. It's just that Bruce Banner is pissed he can't fling his pants off. Slop down on the couch, and eat a burrito pantsless as nature intended. His catchphrase in the old TV show shouldn't have been, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It should have been, you wouldn't like me when I'm topless, but still wearing purple pants. That is Bruce Banner's true dark secret. That is his true curse. He is always angry because he can't get his fucking pants off.
1: That's a really good first start, I think. I think know. so, too. I mean, I think
0: it's important. I mean, these kinds of, uh, you know, the comic book creators should know that they have fueled the, um, you know, burgeoning, you know, erotic dreams of people, of boys all over the United States. Oh, my God. Of course. They all know
1: that. And they continue to do it because for their own pleasure as they grow old. Because they still draw women like, it's like they're not even, I don't know how they get away with it, you know. (laughs) But anyway, well, thanks for listening, my friends, to the first uh, podcast of Grown-Ass Men. And, you know, we'll have a site where you could um, give us feedback. Yes, we'd love to hear
0: from you, Mary. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and anyone off. else who might be listening.
0: Okay. Goodbye. I'm Adam Bernstein and you are Doug Boss.
1: All right. Good night, ladies and gents.